As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. If you buy right and you have the right business plan and the right business strategy, you should be able to withstand another what I call catastrophic event like in 2008. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Jeff Klotz, how you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. Well, I'm glad to hear that and looking forward to our talk and our conversation a little bit about Jeff. He's a serial entrepreneur, real estate investor, and developer. Klotz Investments have included 125,000 apartment units, 42 developments, and a bunch of other real estate projects. He's the founder of over 100 companies based in Jacksonville, Florida. So with that being said, Jeff, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Okay. Well, my background is interesting. I started out in real estate literally straight out of high school. I actually bought my first investment property while still in high school, fell in love with a multifamily business. And I guess the rest is history, right? So for 24 years, we've been intimately focused on the multifamily industry and have built a platform called the Class Group, which is basically a group of wholly owned subsidiaries that provide pretty much everything from concept through completion along the way of both a multifamily value add strategy, renovation, rehab, modernization to a ground up development strategy. So like you said, that body of work over the last 24 years has been a little over 125,000 units of multifamily throughout the Southeast and just over 40 projects completed full circle. And then, of course, the platform itself provides a 
whole series of services, including brokerage, property management, mortgage banking, construction, development, investment banking, and a handful of other what we call ancillary service providers that have probably racked up uh, transaction volume into the billions. And so it's been an interesting track record, an interesting 24-year stretch in the industry. And I still love it today as much as I loved it when I joined. So you own companies like a mortgage brokerage within your portfolio. Did I hear that right? That is correct, yes. So we are in the mortgage banking business, which is predominantly a commercial mortgage brokerage. I'd say 90% of that body of work is strictly multifamily. So what made you want to be vertically integrated versus just being focused on development? Well, for me, early stage, I really struggled to grow. So as a teenage entrepreneur, my challenge for business and business growth was probably the same as almost everyone else starting out access to capital, capital constraints. I think experts will tell you the number one reason why most small businesses fail is a lack of capital. So I certainly battled that. As a kid, it's hard to access capital. I didn't grow up rich. I didn't know any rich folks. I was kind of knocking on doors the hard way. So early on, I really wanted to perfect my portfolio and I needed to grow my business. And the best way to grow the business was to produce what I'll call ancillary revenue from all these different services. But I started to become more successful. And then later on, I began to really understand capital markets and started to really solve my access to capital problems, it was almost the exact opposite. So we perfected the platform and really broadened the reach and the scope of all the different platform services to really serve our own needs because that was the best way we found to control the results and to deliver superior results and returns by really controlling your own destiny. We learned along the way that it was next to impossible to rely on third parties and get the same type of results if you were relying on yourself. So long story short, I probably don't desire to be in all these different businesses, (laughs) but to some extent, it's a necessary evil. Yep, I get that. So how many companies do you actively oversee right now? The Kloss Group has as many as 12 subsidiaries that are in the real estate business. I've got some other investments, and we've got a family office that focuses on some philanthropic efforts and things like that. But probably for the focus of this call, there's 12 wholly owned subsidiaries under the class group umbrella that provide all different types of services, pretty much a soup to nuts or an A to Z or a concept through completion strategy in what we'll call multifamily real estate investment. And the purpose of those businesses is twofold, it sounds like. One is to help you and your team do your deals, but then also you might as well have other customers and clients outside of your company if you're going to have a business anyway. Is that the thought process? That's exactly correct. The strategy is really a 50-50 strategy. So I think that a healthy business is one where you've got diversification. And so about half of our business comes from what we call captive work, which is our own investments. And then the other half comes from the third-party marketplace. So that does a lot for both the industry and the organization. It allows us to have a lot of different touch points to the entire industry. And it really helps us grow the business. So we meet a lot of really great people and can help a lot of really great people. And so you kind of hinged on the mortgage banking business. A lot of our clients come to us looking for debt. And for whatever reason, they're seeking 75% leverage. And we might only be able to get them 70% because that's what the deal qualifies for. So they might be 5% short on a deal. And we end up stepping in, becoming their partner and owning a piece of the deal and helping them get it across the finish line. And then, of course, by that time, they figured out they could leverage a lot of the other services and really add value to the deal. What's the most and what's the least profitable of those 12? Oh, boy. I'd say property management is probably the least profitable. 
And included in those 12 is the investment subsidiary, which is by far the gain on sale or the gain sure. on real estate investments is by far the most profitable. Okay. Many of those businesses are lost leaders. They really contribute to the overall investment result, right? So I might make X in the construction business, but I'm creating 10X at the property level because of my efforts on the construction side. Yep. Makes sense. And I imagine over the years, you've created a business as a result of needing to be a loss leader, but even it wasn't something that you wanted to, to be in the business anymore. So you created one, then shut it down because you thought you needed it or thought you wanted to be in it, but you didn't. What's an example of that, if there is an example of that? Okay. Well, there's a couple of times. So in 2001, we sold the construction business. We're able to stay out of that for a couple of years. 2006, if you remember, the market was on fire. You couldn't help but trip and fall and make money in, in the real estate business. So we thought we didn't really need to be in the property management business. So I sold the property management company only to really be forced back into the business a couple of years later by my partners and investors who said, look, Jeff, this isn't working. We're not seeing the same results or returns from the properties and from the projects like we were when you were running. So get back in the business, basically. And so mm. he who has the gold makes the rules, right? <laughs> And with where you see your group of companies headed, do you see a new business coming up that you are going to be creating or maybe putting more emphasis in a current area that you have? Well, our business, we really hit a reset button back in 2015 after building a portfolio of, we'll call it C-class housing. We were one of the most active operators and groups focused on what we'll call kind of middle market C-class housing throughout the Southeast. And we built a portfolio of close to 40,000 units and that was the goal. So we accomplished our goal, but we really couldn't celebrate the accomplishment because it was just a really tough struggle. I and mean, that's a tough business to scale and it's a really tough portfolio to operate. And so we really kind of hit the reset button, spent the next couple of years exiting that business and really focused on a cleaner, more quality body of work. So for us, it was testing and proving the concept that in a much newer, higher quality asset class and body of work, could we create the same type of results and returns? So over the last couple of years, we spent proving that concept out. And so today, the real focus is just growing that strategy. So we find ourselves doing a lot more luxury ground up development today. It's a different type of development than we've done previously. Previously, we were just looking to get something built and it was more workforce housing and what have you. Today, we're able to develop some of what I'll call best in class in several different markets. So I think the strategy today is not necessarily get into new business, but it's just continue to grow the business both vertically and horizontally so that we can once again, we were once upon a time the largest residential landlord in about 13 to 15 cities throughout the Southeast. And that's our goal to do that again, just with a little different quality of asset. And I'm sure you get this question a lot, but I'm going to ask it anyway. When a correction takes place, what's your thought about being in ground up development luxury? Well, you've probably heard this and I'm sure every one of your listeners have heard that you make your money on the buy. And so that can mean a lot of different things, but it's kind of an old cliche in real estate took me a long time to even really figure out what that meant. But being well protected by your basis on the way in so that you have what I'll call a lot of screw up room or a lot of mistake room is really one of the founding principles that we operate by. So if you buy right and you have the right business plan and the right business strategy, you should be able to withstand another what I call catastrophic event like in 2008. What's a quantifiable example of buying right? How do you stress test that? Well, I think today, this concept of value add, right, that's probably one of the bigger buzzwords in the multifamily industry. And a lot of times, it's a lot more complex than just buying a piece of real estate and raising rents. 
you really got to understand the asset, the asset class, the market. And I think you've got to buy right. You've got to buy at, I'll still call it a discount. So I'll tell you what it's not. It's not lining up in line through a nationally or internationally marketed brokerage effort and participating in first, second, third round, best and final and winning an auction. The concept of he who pays the most wins. I've always had a hard time understanding that. So almost all of the deals that we do are privately negotiated. They're off market. They're situational acquisitions and they've got a good story. And so even in today's what I'll call very frothy real estate market, you look at the last 12 acquisitions that we've made, they've all been what I'll consider below market value. And I think that there's good deals out there. You just got to really know where to find them and where to look. And our platform with as many touch points to the industry helps to contribute to kind of putting us at the right place at the right time and being able to have access to those deals that otherwise might not be available to us. And just maybe one or two more follow-up questions on this, and then I'd love to learn more about the 40,000 units and the scaling challenges with the C-class housing. But a lot of people will say when a correction takes place, Class A is going to get hit first because they're the ones who are going to lose their jobs. So those residents are going to then go down to Class B. So you don't want to be in Class A. And then the people will also say that ground-up development is riskier because there's no income that's being generated until you get out of the construction loan and you're completely leased up and you're in long-term financing. What are your thoughts on those two points? Well, I, I agree with those two points to some extent. In fact, that was the thesis of some of our early real estate funds, and that was the pitch. And again, we were focused on C-class, and I think for the most part, that's a real concern, right? But we always like to shoot for a much shorter strategy a long-term strategy, you have a greater chance of getting stuck holding the ball or whenever the music stops without a seat. And so I think if the merits of a project are strong, again, if you buy or build a project plan with a lot of screw-up room or mistake room or whatever you want to call it, it should pass the stress test for a softening in the market or what have you. I mean, the bottom line is people will always be the place to eat and sleep and call home. But there's always going to be a cyclical nature to our business and almost every other business. So I think you have to be afraid of that. You have to plan for that. And when we underwrite a deal, when we go to acquire a deal, when we go to build a deal, there's always a sense of urgency and we always plan for the worst, but work for the best. So it's always a concern of ours, which is one of the reasons why we have a short-term strategy. We were a large multifamily owner going into 2008 in the recession of the downturn of the crash. And our strategy then was to really just protect the asset if we were the best operator with the best service and the best performance in the market, then we were well protected. So we were fortunate enough to survive the downturn without losing any assets. In fact, we were quickly able to start a growth process. But I think it's just a quality operator with a quality project and a quality location with a quality credit risk. So the stronger your residents are, the more protected they are by from a recession and things like that. So I think it's the whole series of merits that we, you really have to pay close attention to. Let's talk about the 40,000 units. What were some specific challenges that you had in scaling and executing on that level of unit size or collection of units with that type of classification of property and resident base? Well, first of all, it wasn't so much the class of asset, but it was. And what I mean by that is to succeed at C-class multifamily operations, it's a lot more staff or manpower or people intensive. You've really got to check the boxes and dot the I and cross the T. You need a lot more people to succeed in that effort. We built, again, 
a team of over a thousand employees and we went from a hundred to over a thousand really quick. And so just that type of scale was really difficult. We were consistently chasing the growth and then to top it all off, the business strategy that we had. So we were buying and selling quite quickly for about five years in a row, we were buying over 8,000 units a year on average. And so to have that type of portfolio churn, you're always moving. It's hard to build a team. It's hard to build consistency. And then of course the assets themselves, yes, they're challenging. They were in rougher neighborhoods. So it's harder to find good people. It requires more training. It's harder to find good residents. It requires a lot better screening and tenant evaluation or qualification. And even the municipalities tend to neglect those types of neighborhoods where there's lower income. So it's a tougher, longer, harder grind or battle or fight. And you almost have to fight for every bit of success, every good resident and what have you. So all in all, the entire effort is more difficult on a personal level. I really misunderestimated or, or probably was naive in how difficult it really is to build a business and scale a business. I found building a real estate portfolio easy. In fact, growing is easy, but actually building a business around all that growth and building the right type of team and the right types of policies and procedures and structure, that was probably the most challenging part of it all. Mm-hmm. Thank you for that. I appreciate that insight. That's very, very helpful. And one thing that I'd love to learn more about is if you were to have a 300-unit Class C apartment building in a Class C area and a 300-unit new development, just picture whatever you're building now, that 300 units, how many people would it take to staff each of those? There's an old rule of thumb in the industry, two per hundred. So In theory, you'd need six people, three in the office and three in the field on the maintenance team. So I think that in a C-class operating property, was the A-class, was that a new build or was that new construction? Yeah, it's one you just completed. We'll just say one you just completed. I think on the property itself, there's probably only a slight difference in the amount of manpower needed. But we'll call it the corporate oversight or the regional or district oversight You definitely need a whole heck of a lot more oversight on the C-class asset than you do the A-class asset. Got it. Taking a giant step back, based on your experience in the industry, you bought your first place. Well, you're in high school. That is pretty close to a record, I think, from the 1,800 guests I've interviewed. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Oh, boy. That's a hard one. I think that the real estate business is not a get-rich-quick plan, strategy, you know, all these late night advertisements for you too can be rich like me. It doesn't work that way. I've been doing this for 24 years. It took a long time to create success. It is a get rich slow business, by the way, but it's a lot of hard work. It's a long late night grind. It's it's difficult. And it's tough to think that you can create success as a hobby or a part-time business. It's a lot like the gym. There's no shortcuts and nothing takes the place of hard work and effort if you want to get in shape. You can try all the latest fad this or fad that, but you got to do the work. I see way too many people enter this business thinking that they can do it part-time or in between a day job or after a day job. And I think if you're going to be a passive investor, sure, that works. There's a whole other topic of how do you make good passive investments. Probably the least successful deals I've ever done are passive investments. But uh, I think just preparing somebody for the time it takes to learn the business and what have you, it sounds pretty basic, but that's why I see most people making the mistake is the inability to really truly commit to the time and effort, energy, and hard work it takes to be successful in the business. And over a period of time that you've done it. Right. Yeah, it's a shiny object for some people. Then they find something else, whereas put in decades, then you can see some results if you do things consistently that are the right thing, right? 
Right. And I think that whether we're talking real estate or we're talking anything else in business, I think that part of our culture today is that things happen quickly and there's this, almost a sense of lack of patience and I can go on and on. But I just really think that you got to really be realistic with the goals and the time it takes and, of course, the effort it takes, right? You know, there's an old saying, if it were easy, everybody would be doing it, right? Yep. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? I'll give it my best. <laughs> All right. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference, BEC20.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched BestEverCauses.com. That's BestEverCauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Okay, what's the best ever book you've recently read? Oh boy, I'm not a big book reader. There's an interesting story behind it, but I just recently read some of Grant Cardone's stuff and I was amazingly shocked with just how relatable it was and just how great the content was. So that, that was kind of an interesting experience for me. What's the deal you've lost the most money on? That would have been a passive investment. So once upon a time, prior to really committing to grow the entire platform as vertically and horizontally integrated as it is, I thought I could leverage some other operators and other sponsors. And I wasn't a good pick of a couple different guys. So I had no control. And so therefore, the outcomes weren't that good. And knowing what you know now, if you were to passively invest and you were to interview them again about the opportunity, what are some questions you would ask now that you didn't ask before? Well, I really want to understand the track record, their true experience in actually controlling outcomes. There's a lot of sponsors out there that have worked for other folks or have been alongside other sponsors or have been on teams with sponsors. But I really want to see someone who has a solid track record of doing it themselves, signing on the debt, having real skin in the game, and really a solid commitment to the business. And I think that nowadays, there's a lot of folks that think it looks a lot easier than it really is. So I think that might be the tone of what I'm saying here is I spent a lot more time getting to know the individual and their organization and understanding what their theories and philosophies and their ideas are for how they like to operate real estate. What's the best ever deal you've done? Oh, wow. The next deal, right? In this business, you're always good as your last deal. So we continue to get better and better and better. And so I think that really my next deal will be the best deal I've ever done. Best ever way you like to give back to the community? So years ago, I formed a family office called the Clock Family Office. We have three main philanthropic efforts, including a faith-based not-for-profit named Save Your Communities, which is, again, a not-for-profit focused on creating and preserving, as well as providing sustainable service enriched or life-enhancing affordable multifamily housing. That's a big part of our mission. I also have a Central American-based foundation called Comucho More, which basically serves the needs of those living in poverty most likely as a result of natural disaster. And then we have a third effort, which is basically an entrepreneurial scholarship. So once a year, we pick a young individual who I think might possess some real serial entrepreneurial traits, and we try to partner with them and mentor with them and help them get themselves in the door to school. Best ever way the listeners can learn more about what you're doing? 
Well, they can visit our website, theklotzcompanies.com. They can email me at jklotz, so J-K-L-O-T-Z at theklotzcompanies.com. Cool. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being on the show, talking about your experience, talking about your approach, what your focus is now, and the challenges that you came across on the passive investment as well as when you achieved the goal of 40,000 units not really having time to celebrate and then reconfiguring the structure of your focus and now what you're doing now, building the luxury ground up development. So thanks for being on the show. Really enjoyed our conversation. Hope you have a best ever day. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Joe. I enjoyed it. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or a cause that is near and dear to our heart get the word out about their cause and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.